0: I miss a good squirt.
1: Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Don't call me darling, damn it. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash.
2: Totally killer. Pun intended.
1: We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy Mac.
2: I'm the Lord of the Harvest
1: the gore lover, Alexis, hey, rewind. the cowardly creeper, Ryan, hiya. and the scream queen, Paris.
0: Hey, sweets.
1: This week, we're checking out the second entry in a franchise whose original film has been attributed with changing the landscape of horror. Before we get the motors revving, though, we have some follow up.
0: Okay, Mac, you were not here for this episode, but we recently reviewed VHS. It was totally found footage and we gave it a hack in your honor. Have you
2: seen this movie? Nope. And now I know that I don't need to exactly
3: you will literally vomit yeah i threw up oh for real <laughs> yes
4: I. <laughs> <looked it laughs> thank you
2: it. for letting me not watch that
4: <laughs> not, it was a multitude of things yeah, there were
1: some, some other factors <laughs> that was the crazy week we happened to switch american werewolf in london with vhs <laughs> and we missed magically. the opportunity to do the werewolf movie on the night of the full moon so you're welcome
2: thank you it's all my fault Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mac. Um, Well,
0: long story short, we don't recommend it. But we wanted to hear what our friends on social media thought. Uh, And honestly, it is a mixed bag if there ever was one. 49% gave it a hack and 51% actually slashed it.
3: I feel concerned about the people that follow us on social media because of this. (laughs) This is a lot of slashes for this movie.
4: But I think maybe some of them came from the position of they've only seen it once, kind of like I did. And I loved it the first time I saw it. Ah, I could see that. And I was a little bit more analytical the second part. So that might be their position. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I feel like if you don't pick up on the misogyny of it all, which is probably easy to do if you watch this 10 years ago, then it's much easier to enjoy. We have a comment from Sabrina on Twitter who said, I love this movie. In each of the creepy home movies, you don't really ever know where it's going to go or how it's going to get there. It also has a great way of switching from the VHS tapes to the beginning storyline of The Four Burglars. It's just a creepy, fun, good time.
3: Nice. I like to know on top of not knowing where it's going to go or how it's going to get there, you also don't know where you are or why. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I think if you don't question too much, it's a smoother ride.
1: Yes. If this is the shining example of one person's trash is another person's treasure. Yep. There you go.
0: We also have a comment from Darren from Instagram. He said, I watched this film when it came out and didn't have an opinion one way or another. After listening to your thoughts, I rewatched and couldn't believe how I missed how aggressive this film is in its misogyny. Obviously, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But how did I let this just wash over me in 2012? Hopefully the fact that I found the contents of this film so objectionable in 2021 means the world is changing for the better. Anyway, great episode, guys. I found it very eye-opening. VHS gets a hard hack from me. And that's growth, I think, from Darren.
1: Yeah, no, I love that, Darren. Uh, And I appreciate you giving it another watch after listening to our thoughts and just kind of seeing where we came from with it. I mean, I know there are a lot of folks who still listen to the episode and still love the movie, which is cool. But I think what Darren shared is a shining example of what we try to do on the show. Just bring different perspectives for people to consider.
0: True. And who's to say that us in 2012 wouldn't have felt the same way?
1: Yeah, that's, uh, I feel like it's the same for us too.
0: We also have another comment from one of our patrons, Brittany, who said, was I completely scared? Yes. Was I totally offended, disgusted, disturbed, and uncomfortable with everything this movie brought to the table? Also, yes. I had been avoiding watching this movie as I had heard about the amount of crude nudity involved. I'm not a prude and sexual scenes can be tasteful and great, but we did not get that in any way. The chauvinistic characters seem to be celebrated in my opinion and simply killing them off. Didn't even do justice. I'm so passionate about my disgust for what we saw in this movie, and I'm so happy you all shared similar thoughts. It was triggering, to say the least. It's a hack. Keep the chuckle fucks far, far <laughs> away from me.
3: Oh, what a great response. It's exactly how we felt.
0: Yeah, same. Like, killing them off was not enough. And we actually have a call this week from the Hacker Hotline in regards to this movie.
2: Yes, hi. My name is Jennifer Clark, and I'm calling about the movie VHS, and I gave it a slash. It was awesome, amazing, and very entertaining movie. Love it. Thank you.
0: It sounds like Jennifer also voted Slash in our
3: polls. And this is a reminder that horror is for everyone, and there's different things that everyone likes. And even though we didn't love that movie, evidently 51% of people that follow us on social media liked it.
0: Yep, and Jennifer is in good company this week. And finally, we just want to say thank you to one of our newest patrons, Kurt. Kurt, if you are listening to this episode, hi. Also, call into the Hacker Slash hotline sometime so we can hear your lovely voice and what you think about whatever movie we're reviewing. And that is our follow-up.
1: Several years ago, after horrifying audiences with grizzly meat hooks and chainsaws, Toby Hooper and co-writer Kim Hankel conceptualized a sequel that would satirize the 1980 film Motel Hell, which, in itself, was a parody of the film the pair had shocked audiences with in 1974. The sequel was intended to feature an entire town of cannibals, but after imposing studio changes and a shift in the screenwriter's The film began to take a different form, but one that still focused heavily on Hooper's desire for comedy. This film picks up 12 years after the events in 1974. An older, but still familiar, chainsaw-wielding maniac and his family are stalking a radio DJ, as they themselves are being hunted by a man with a personal connection to some of their victims. This week, we're talking about the 1986 film, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Now, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the last episode we ever covered on this show before Alexis joined our team back in 2018, so naturally, it was time to revisit it in the Rewind. Now, our Rewind episodes are available to all patrons, regardless of which tier you pledge to, so if you want to hear our thoughts on the 1974 classic, head over to patreon.com slash hacker slash to sign up. We'll also drop a link in the show notes. But back to the film at hand, who's seen this one before?
2: This was a first for me.
1: Yeah, definitely a
4: first. Um, But I did feel Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one was supposed to be this one. So I don't know when I thought when I saw Bill Moseley and I thought like, it, he was supposed to be in the first
3: one. I was very confused. So but no, I had never seen this. Yeah, obviously, I haven't seen this movie. I know that there's a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. I didn't realize there was a sequel, per se. So you know, its existence was new to me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I am the same. There were a couple set design pieces that made me think, have I seen this before? But overall, I am fairly certain that this was my first watch.
1: Oh, that's because you watched House of a Thousand Corpses.
0: <laughs> Maybe. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So we originally covered that original film of a few years ago. And at the time, I rated did a hack for several reasons. Um, so I'm not a fan of the original, but I actually don't have anything against the franchise as, as a whole. Like I'm generally a fan of the idea of Leatherface I saw this movie when I was a kid, uh, along with a few others in the franchise, but it wasn't the one that I watched the most. For some reason, we kept watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation Which stars Renée Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey.
0: Oh my god, what? Stop it. Let's review that immediately. (laughs) Please no. Renée Zellweger, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, I know. Shocking. I need a break from Chainsaws, please. (laughs) True. So this one isn't one that I remember particularly well. And it's actually something that gave me some new revelations watching it again as an adult, having so much more horror under my belt. But what were you all expecting from it?
3: Man, I was definitely expecting more like country Texas hanging out, you know, in the sticks. Some people come through, some people with some chainsaws, you know, really more of the same from the original. And I was certainly not expecting what we get in this. I had no idea that the route it was going to take.
4: I set my expectations pretty low for this because I set them pretty high for the first one and was slightly disappointed. So, (laughs) so this one I set pretty low, but I was definitely expecting it to be gorier. At least I was hoping so. And I was pleasantly surprised.
0: I, in a shocking turn of events, ended up slashing the original, which was such a fluke to me. Um, so I thought there's no way lightning will strike twice. So I was like, this movie's definitely going to be bullshit. Um, and I also wasn't expecting them to kind of take the show on the road. Yeah. I kind of thought it was contained to a certain location. Um, and they've expanded their horizons. Maybe
2: an outreach program of sorts, we could call it. So when I watched the first one, I did a little reading. And uh, I kind of read the reaction to both the original and, and to this one. And so I was going into expecting what those reactions were. I was expecting more gore and more comedy.
1: Well, let's see how that turned out. I I mentioned earlier that I don't remember this movie particularly well, but what I did remember was it was very zany and goofy. I was actually entertained by that zaniness and goofiness the whole way through. This movie still has like a really, it has a lot that can be very grating and very annoying, uh, just like the original, but Hooper going so far in the black comedy direction just feels way more appropriate for it. So I was with it almost every step of the way, but How are you folks feeling?
4: Yeah, I was definitely surprisingly entertained throughout this. I thought, you know, the antics of, you know, lefty and stretch and, you know, you have Chop Top. I was like, oh, wow, this is like such an interesting dynamic. And I love dark humor. Although, yeah, Chris, I'd agree at some points it seemed a little bit zany for me. But I think it was well balanced throughout the entire movie.
0: I did that thing that I always do where movies from the 70s and 80s try to take a humorous tone and I don't know if it's intentional or not until like the end of the movie. Um, So I was a little bit confused by the tone. A lot of things I was like, this is silly, but is it supposed to be silly? I don't know. But I was actually surprisingly entertained as well.
3: It's really funny, Paris, because it sometimes is up until literally the song playing during the credits before you realize like, oh, they were trying to be funny and ridiculous. Right? Yeah, man. I felt like from the first note of sound from this movie, I was like, oh, God!" <laughs> <laughs> I just immediately was like, oh, 1986, duh. This is and, and from I felt like from the very first second of this movie, I knew exactly where we were going, even though I'd never seen it. It felt like I had seen every second of this because it was it's it's in my heart as why did they always do this in the 80s? <laughs>
2: and that's how I felt while watching it that this was so 80s that it hurt. Literally. They they <laughs> saw this super serious very dark horror film and they were like, "Guys, what can we do with this?" And they were like, "Let's make it worse um in all the ways that are going to matter." Or better. I feel like, you know, they had the first movie and they're like, "Alright, we got to bring it into the 80s now. We got to make it hipper, right?" So we got to have like obviously more comedy. We have to have for some reason like all these references to things that audiences in the 80s might get but that won't last beyond that at all. Like it, it they just didn't want it to age uh, very well. And that's kind of how I felt while watching it. I was like, this just doesn't age really well for me.
1: No, it definitely doesn't. There's also some, uh, some bits of dialogue in here that make it feel even more dated than the obvious like 80s aesthetic to it. and which, you know, that again surprises me, right? Like there's definitely a lot of things about this movie that don't feel good. And it surprises me that I still feel kind of okay about it. It's weird. I'm not as put off by this movie as I was by the original, and I don't know why that is, because I feel like maybe Leatherface just needs to be like, really gritty and brutal, like in the 2003 remake, or he needs to be goofing around, swaying his hips, sashaying. Maybe that's it. Yeah, also,
4: maybe, I mean, I'm not speaking for you, but in my opinion, I was thinking of this movie, I'm like, oh, maybe it's because it's not as like sweaty in this movie. Also, much less
1: sweat. You're right. still very wet, though. Very gross. Yes. So my feelings while watching it, I think, are the most surprising thing to me. But one of the other things that surprises me is the fact that there is a point in this movie where Ryan, just like you said, it very clearly feels like it deserved the title House of a Thousand Corpses. And I cannot believe the memory of this movie was totally absent from my mind when watching House of a Thousand Corpses. Obviously, we acknowledge the parallels there and how Rob Zombie took from the texas chainsaw massacre i just forgot he also took an actor you know i was surprised um by a few things one i'm still surprised at how
4: many movies are influenced by this even this one even the second one you know all of these like car truck scenes you know it reminds me of you know wrong turn or jeepers creepers where you have this like creepy truck you know and that also comes from the original as well but um these backwoods slasher kind of movies um the ending of this movie reminds me of Army of Darkness in some sort of way. Um, I don't know, so many, so many different things. Um, also, I was surprised when I was the opening credits that um, Tom Savini was the makeup artist for this movie, which I thought was pretty cool. So,
3: yeah, pretty sick. That was one of the first things that I was like, okay, we we're gonna we're we gonna do this. something here, right? We got this. Yeah. <laughs> and then every step of the way after that, I was just surprised by. How much this felt like oh, maybe a trillion other movies that I've seen, like individual components of it, uh, storylines, set designs, characters, like so much of it. I was just like, "Cool, I've 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 seen all of this movie, but it's here in front of me for the first time." I I was just amazed by how familiar this felt,
1: which is so interesting to think about, right? When you consider that the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of pioneered slashers in its own way, right? I mean. Right. Black Christmas really set the foundation for what slashers became as we know it, and then Halloween perfected it. But think about Texas Chainsaw as it related in 1974 and what its influence was. And then look at, like, this is a movie that's the sequel to the original, but it in itself is influenced and impacted by all these films that were inspired by the original, which is crazy to think about. And uh, it's why I think I'm a little surprised with the way I feel about it, because it's so, it harnesses some good things and some pitfalls that so many movies that came after it had
0: yeah it definitely feels like a parody of itself in a lot of ways which i was definitely surprised by um but i was also very disappointed that they brought back the things that i hated most about the ending
3: oh they sure did Like specifically, like, specifically, we know y'all really, really, really hated this and we didn't keep anything from the original, but we're going to keep this one thing.
0: It felt targeted. See,
1: for me, it felt like they were making fun of the original's ending and I loved it.
2: I could see that. But the
1: misery was
3: still palpable (laughs) for
2: me,
1: my misery.
2: I'll say I was disappointed in something. I thought there was going to be a lot more gore and I thought it was going to be really extreme. And I feel like the first one felt gorier, even though it wasn't, it felt gorier because it had such long stretches of no gore that when you got a little bit, it went a long way. And in this one, I don't know, it just like the gore that they had was fine. It was there. I mean, there's there's blood, there's skin, there's all sorts of stuff, but like it just, I think I'm desensitized now from watching all these horror films. It just didn't feel as gory as I had expected. When I read these reviews of people talking about It was just too much. And like, they couldn't even watch the second one. They, you know, they like didn't want other people to watch it and started banning it and stuff. I thought it was going to be absolutely insane, terrifier level of gore. And I feel like it was like a 1980s spoof style comedy movie.
1: Did we watch the same movie? (laughs) I mean, to me,
4: it was terrifier for the 80s, but I I see what you mean. I, I see what you mean. I mean, I changed the gore score from something lower to something higher after going through the movie. So, interesting.
1: Yeah. You watched the 1974 version, right, man? You didn't watch like the 2003 one or like nope. some one of the other like Texas Chainsaw Massacre titles?
2: No, I, I definitely watched the actual original.
1: Cuz there's like almost no blood in the original.
2: Yeah, but you know when you, when you get a little bit of I think it's just like the vibe, the vibe yeah, yeah, it's felt gory and gorier, nasty. Right? It's sweaty. There's an intensity to it that makes it feel gorier, even though it's not. And in this one, it's not intense in, in those moments. It's kind of taken for granted, and so it didn't feel as gory. It's
1: so the huh. sweat. You're missing the sweat, really. I need the sweat. Sweat-to-blood ratio. Very interesting here. And the dead animals. <laughs> mm. Okay. That just kind of threw me for a loop. I wasn't expecting that that kind of statement for some reason, because to me, like the, co- the sheer volume of blood in this movie feels like it vastly outweighs the violence in the original. I think one of the other things that causes, that leads me to wonder then, does that increase in violence? I mean, obviously for you, Mac, it doesn't, I'm sure it doesn't scare you, but does it, did it scare anyone else? Of course not. I mean,
3: this movie has some, I don't know, creepy energy in some certain parts, but certainly it isn't scary. I, but then again, is anything scary anymore? Anything? Uh, yes. This
4: movie I watched on Friday is, uh, We'll eventually get to that on the podcast because I was
3: like, oh, shit, what am I watching? I feel like I'm sometimes more scared by things I don't watch for the podcast. But when I'm in like podcast mode, I'm like, not scared. Can't be scared. Have to take (laughs) (laughs) notes.
0: True. You have a more analytical mind and you're less prone to fear for sure.
4: There you go. Absolutely true. Yeah, I didn't find it. I mean, I thought it was disturbing and a little bit gross. Um. A different gross than the first one was, but I I wasn't frightened at all by it. Not even Leatherface.
0: Yeah, same. This movie felt like it traded fear for comedy, and I don't know if that was a fair trade.
1: Time will tell, I suppose. So, like, Obviously, this movie makes fun of itself, and it's a comedy every step of the way. I do think there's one scene that could be an effective jump scare if you're the kind of person to get scared by jump scares, so that might be a thing. The other thing is, uh, what's real scary is the effects of gingivitis. A lot of bad teeth in this movie. Ew. <laughs> Ooh, there's some nasty tongues in this movie. Ooh. Just
0: gross mouth stuff across the board.
1: I'd already said back in uh, episode 136 that House of a Thousand Corpses wasn't original, right? But I'd like to go back and even create more of a deficit, right? Based on having seen this now, especially in terms of starring Bill Mosley. In terms of originality... This movie was a result of wanting to satirize a movie that already made fun of the original movie. So it's a fun approach, but it's not like you're going to see a ton of innovation here by any stretch of the imagination. I think I do applaud Toby Hooper, though, for going with such a different direction after seeing what the experience was like of the original. I would just like to translate that to Chris
3: took a moment within a completely unrelated movie to trash a movie that she hates by Rob Zombie just because she can. (laughs) I don't think it's that far of a stretch, I think there's there's some relationships there.
0: No denial.
3: Just a reminder. This is your casual Texas Chainsaw Massacre two reminder that House of a Thousand Corpses and everything Rob Zombie does sucks. <laughs> I I, th- I kind of agree with you. I think what Toby Hooper did with this, I was excited to see. I really did not want to watch another, you know, for lack of a better term, you know, like hillbillies in the country killing people kind of movie, you know, like, I just wasn't in the mood for it. And fortunately, that's not what we got. And I'm thinking in the 80s, that's not what they were in the mood for either, right? They're in the mood for what we got here. So uh, I, I guess it's original. I, I don't know. I don't know what comes before and after this that this reminds me of. So I have a very hard time in 2021 saying if it's original or not.
4: I thought it was pretty original, especially the plot. Um, it was just interesting the some of the characters and where it was going, and I wasn't expecting that. So um, I think it's fairly original, especially um, a different take on Leatherface, too, that I never had seen. So I kind of appreciate that as well.
1: Hmm, interesting. I felt like he was pretty consistent with the first one, just a little bit more aged. From the first one to this one? A little more horny. A little more... Easy, uh, aged, again. Aged.
2: He's a man now. <laughs> aged like milk.
1: Probably not an evil entity in and of himself, just manipulated by his family, is what I'm saying. I think in this one, you see that he's not all evil. Yeah, I kind of felt bad for him at most
4: time. Well, most of the time, if not all the time, throughout this entire movie. So...
2: <laughs> I did not have that same reaction. Um, I did not feel bad for Leatherface one bit, but I also feel like... I don't know. Well, watching it, it felt like a spoof of other 80s movies. It, uh, yeah, it that's felt like felt. kind of a rehashing of other themes and other shots and other gore that we get in 80s movies. I was really surprised to see that Tom Savini was involved in this because I was expecting like crazy zombie level gore and stuff and really cool, you know, facial prosthetics and stuff. I don't know. But um it just like it felt like another 80s movie to me. and And that was the part that was so shocking because you know 74 feels like you're getting this kind of unique glimpse into insanity in a way um in a place that you don't want to be stuck in and this one where i kind of i'm kind of bummed that we're in the city because it feels like every other 80s movie that you're in a city and you have this killer coming after you uh or killers and they have a you know a layer or something but i don't know it just didn't feel fresh to me
0: i don't know what movies you're referring to mac but they sound good to me um this movie, though, I don't know. Asking me if this is original, I really can't answer that. It feels like a blur in my brain, maybe because it's unoriginal. I'm not sure, but I am sure that there are things in this movie that I have never seen before, and I always like when that happens. So for what that's worth, there you go.
1: Mm. One of those movies is The Breakfast Club, which this poster is nearly identical to, and it's posing. I haven't seen it. It feels adorable, though.
4: Yeah. How did I not notice this? I'm not sure. That is crazy. I
1: like this movie even more.
0: Oh, that's very funny. That's camp.
1: Okay, so some question marks on originality, but was the ending satisfying for anyone?
0: No, the ending was excruciating um, in ways that I didn't think could be topped compared to the first one. Um, Yeah, the final shot was very camp and I liked it, but the end sequence really just flashbacks to five days ago.
3: Paris, (laughs) my boy. I agree with you so much. It's exactly how I felt. I was just like, really? We're here again. Are we really here again doing this? I think we, I think it's going to end up being the same way it was last week. I think it's going to be what me and Paris would have expected from last week that we didn't get.
0: We are here together, right?
4: My man. I, I like the ending, the images that you get at the end, especially in the final scene and the one you're left with that's kind of lasting. We're pretty spot on to it. movies i've seen which now i see that they picked up from this movie and picked up from probably another one but like i don't i liked it it was a good clean ending and it's funny because i didn't know that they were making fun of the original but i really like that
2: i like things that happened to certain characters in the ending but the execution of the ending i found a bit lackluster
1: okay well i mean i actually really enjoyed the ending to this i think it's some of the best comedy that we get at least in the third act i think it pokes fun at the original in all the right ways It actually took just about everything I disliked about the original and made fun of it, which I completely adore. But we'll see how things shake out here in just a moment. Now, before we make our way to our ratings, Alexis, how many people died in this movie? We have a total of eight people dying in this movie.
3: But what about the animals? Ooh, once again,
1: very surprisingly, the animal report is good to go. You wouldn't expect it in this. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get down to business then. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 from 1986, the second coming of Leatherface. Was it a hack or a slash? I'm just going to start off by saying
4: I'm giving this a slash. I like this movie because what I was missing in the first movie, I got in this. But the only thing I would change is um, some. I, I like Leatherface a little bit more gruesome. But I do like this take on him and some of the stuff I've like, read on how... His character is built, I thought was cool. So I can see why this would be a little bit more zany. But Chop Top is my favorite character on this. I mean, I, l- I like the colors, I like the dialogue. I know I wanted more from all of the characters and I wanted more of a storyline. And I got all of that in this movie. So there's no way I wouldn't be able to give it a slash.
3: Alexis, I'm not even slightly surprised by that. Why? It's just this is this is your vibe. This is how you get down, you know. It is. Yeah,
4: I I did forget to say I wanted more gore and I got that. You did.
3: <laughs> and you love, you know, a little bit of craziness, a little bit of funniness, you know, you're just here for the you're here for the the life of a horror movie, you know? Like this is a fun horror movie. Yeah. I am lame. <laughs> I'm not here for the fun horror movie. I don't know, man. Sometimes I am. I feel like American Werewolf in London had some fun to it, right? And I I loved that movie. But that like zaniness is it's like the bane of my existence. And like this movie to me is Three Stooges go to horror. You know, like, the Three Stooges go to horror school or something, I don't know, something chaotic. The Three Stooges get murdered. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, not my vibe, it gives me, like, um brain-dead kind of energy, as far as, like, the way the characters interact and stuff. Not the extreme levels of gore and chaotic energy and stuff like that. But I don't know. I It's so weird because I I like the set. I like some of the characters. I like some things that happen, but I don't like the movie. I don't like watching a movie like this. So this is a fully personal feeling here, and I'm going to hack it. It's, it's not something I want to watch again, but if you told me you love this movie, I wouldn't judge you. I wouldn't be mad at you. I'd be mad if you wanted me to watch it with you. But... I know what they're trying to do, and it's once again one of those things, it's just not up my alley. It's the wrong direction. Google Maps led you astray. This isn't for me. That's my hack. And I'm very excited to have Paris join my team here. Right, Paris?
0: Hi, it's me, I'm Paris, and I'm hacking this movie. Yeah. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I thought a lot of this movie was kind of fun. I thought the opening scene was pretty solid. I thought the gore being amplified was very nice. I enjoyed that a lot. But These characters were annoying enough in the first one, so to see them do like a comedy bit was not something I wanted to see. Uh, It seems like they took a lot of the things that were so close to making me hack them in the first movie that then they and they amplified those times a thousand and made me. They forced me to hack this. I really had no choice here. Honestly, if I look at my notes, the whole beginning half are actually pretty solid and mostly positive, and then it's that second half where it really loses me. It felt like the the final sequence of events lasted an absolute eternity um luckily it was set in a beautifully designed uh like setting and uh set design space uh so it wasn't all bad but ultimately like this movie was both dumb and bad and it was one of those things where they were trying to be funny and i didn't realize it until the the end credits really and that's when you lost me so this is a hack from me
3: paris to add and let me know if you can like agree with this. It's like almost weird to see something make fun of itself when it was trying to be funny the first time. Also, a little bit like they were like trying to be a little funny the first time, and now he's like like Toby Hooper's like, oh cool that that those jokes didn't really hit enough, so let's just like go too far this time. You yeah, know?
0: this was the snake coming all. The, this was the snake coming all the way back around and eating its own tail.
3: But that that's a way to describe it.
2: You know, it's interesting. After hearing the two of you hack it, uh, I can see why you enjoyed this movie, Alexis. I can see why you gave it a slash. And I think for a lot of people, it is a slash. For me, it's a hack, though. It's a hard, very quick, fast hack. It's done. I'm not on the Rewind episode, so I'll give you my miniature review uh, of of the 1974. And um, it was boring for the most part. And the parts that weren't boring, I feel like they, they just... I don't know if it was editing. There was just parts I feel like were were kind of poorly done. And maybe that's just, you know, 30, 40 years later, whatever it's been. But going into this movie, I had expectations that it was just gonna like amplify everything. I, I thought it was gonna be some more humor, but I thought there was gonna be like so much more blood, so much more gore, and it was just gonna be like absolute insanity. And I think it ended up for me just being chaos, like the script being chaos, the story being chaos. Um, it felt like someone took a trip to summer camp because this movie was just full-on camp. And I wasn't expecting that. I I don't know why, but I wasn't expecting the camp. And again, that's sometimes you're in the mood for that. And I think this would hit the mark for you and you'd enjoy it. Um, But there's a couple of characters in here that uh, I hate with uh, all of my being. Uh, There's an actor in this movie that is so completely misused that it pains me to watch the fact that they're in the film because they deserve better. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hack for me.
1: All right. Well, it seems like we're, uh, we're moving in a direction that's very similar to the original Texas Chainsaw Rewind episode. But here's the thing. I'm not a fan of the original, so it can really only go up from here. And uh, I could not think of a better way to go up than to go the total opposite direction in tone, right? Because I like the attempt at the tone in the original, but it failed on execution on all fronts. And it seems like for me, Toby Hooper's a little bit better at comedy. So there are a lot of things that I like about this movie. A few things that I absolutely hate. said uh, Chop Top is your favorite. Absolutely wish she was not in this movie. Not yeah. a fan of this guy at all, period. One or two lines, like too many. Like <laughs> Honestly, the second he opened his mouth and I heard his voice, I was like, this fucking guy. <laughs> I don't like him. But where it makes up for that is in our final girl. I'm a really big fan of her. Uh, I did make a comment about her that did not age well in my notes because I wrote it and then two bullet points later completely nullified that statement. We'll revisit that in the second half. But for me, it was entertaining and therefore a slash. So, so far we're at three hacks and two slashes. But you know what? For good measure, why not one bonus score from one of our patrons?
3: Hey, Hacker Slash team. This is Brittany, your devoted Patreon from Canada. I gotta say, guys, I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and wow, that was pretty nuts. Uh, <laughs> such a departure from the first one, which was actually scary and actually unsettling. This was just craziness. Ridiculous. Giving Leatherface uh, any kind of sexual motivation for uh, Stretch the BJ there was just completely out of character it ruins him all the way true uh and i don't know why we had to watch him wiggle his butt so many times in this movie i just don't get it (laughs) (laughs) i think it's supposed to be a funny movie overall but it was really just terrible and why are we making Leatherface funny this isn't right it's cannibalism it's not funny (laughs) so it's a total hack guys but i'm still happy i get to roast movies along with you so have a great week thanks guys
0: queen britney has spoken
3: that is Exactly how I feel. You are my kind of person. Okay. (laughs) Roast this movie. It deserves the roast. Also, what a gentle Canadian
2: accent. You know, it is an interesting viewpoint, though, because I mean, obviously, that's how a couple of us feel. But the first one like had that feeling that it was like telling you stop eating meat, pretend you're the animal, right? As you're watching the original movie. Uh it's like pretend you're the cattle going through this process. Maybe I'm the only one that got that vibe from it.
1: No, you and the rest of America got it.
2: Right. And then you go into this <laughs> into the second one and it's like no more vibe. We we got rid of that. Don't worry about it.
1: What do you mean? Me.
4: Um they literally he won the chili cook off against ryan <laughs> yeah.
1: you know what you know when you don't eat people when you're a vegetarian you don't fuck with that meat chili exactly <laughs> their meat chili
4: had people in it no, it was just
3: it was just hard peppercorns
0: i'm just so glad that Brittany called in britney thank you so much this was a delight
3: and that's what happens when you know what we're gonna watch before we watch it you too can be a part of our podcast
0: visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to learn more
1: now this movie has earned two slashes and three hacks Alexis and I are very compatible in our taste in chainsaws, it seems. I know, I like it. I like it a lot. (laughs) Yes, yes. Well, you can find this movie streaming for free online. So up to you whether or not you want to watch it. It is rated majority a hack. But join us in the second half so we can unpack the laughs. See you in a bit.
2: Sitting around the campfire roasting weenies for a night ain't the right way to escape the city life. Come on down to Texas and get yourself some real food with a hot cup of Sawyer Family Chili. It's got real meat! We start our chili out with America's best beans, the freshest tomatoes, and a little bit of love in the form of Texas's best spices. Don't forget about the real meat! But what makes our chili the absolute best in the world is the leanest, meanest, tastiest meat you've ever tasted. It's the meat! Oh God, the real meat! So forget about the Alamo. Come on down to the land of cowboys and cannibals for the best chili this side of the Mississippi. It's Got Real Meat.
1: Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which has earned two slashes, three hacks, and uh, even a bonus hack from one of our patrons. We have a lot to stew over here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, we have the matter of gore to get to. Alexis, what's the gore score for this movie? It was interesting. So
4: before the spoiler break, I said I had changed my recommendation of the level of gore in this movie and I said medium. And I was like, you know what? On an actual scale, this is actually pretty high. Like there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of guts. There's a lot of, you know, that zany... Um, 80s, like, kind of crazy blood squirting out everywhere that I just, like, love. Like, it's that kookiness that you could get away with. Because if someone did that now, it would have to be, like, in a comedy, like, a horror comedy, in my opinion.
3: Yeah, I agree. You get a lot of that, like, juiciness.
0: And a lot of the squirting that you just don't see these days. I think because they figured out anatomy better,
2: but I miss a good squirt. So, to be honest, I was expecting more, like, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead stuff with Tom Savini attached. And I don't feel like I got that here. I mean, I know there was gore, obviously, like we see like flesh peeled off of somebody at some point. But I don't know, it just wasn't like as as high of an intensity as I was expecting. That's crazy.
4: Are you kidding me? When Leatherface, like literally is skinning LG, he's alive still, and puts it on stretch. I was just like, Are you kidding me? And then she's like walking around. It was like a very disturbing scene, kind of comical at first, but but honestly, when I looked, at, it, I was like, this is really freaking terrifying. She couldn't get it off. I mean, oh, could you, I was gonna say, could you imagine? But I hope no one could imagine here, but mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> I would imagine bending forward, shaking my head a little, letting everything that was on my face fall off so that, you know, I'm no longer wearing someone else's skin. You don't have to have hands to remove things from your face.
0: Wait, that scene actually killed me because at first she's like, he's like putting it on her face and she's like, put that down. Is it wet? Ew, it's wet.
3: As if the wetness was the issue.
0: (laughs) That cracked me up. And then she's kind of just like walking around with the face on and LG wakes up and like sees her. And she kind of gives him this look like, I know what it looks like. It's not what you think. Let me explain.
4: It's not like I took your face off while you were sleeping and have it on right now. (laughs) But that's what it totally looks like.
0: (laughs) That was one of the most gruesome and also one of the funnier moments
4: for me. Yeah, I think it was a really good balance there for sure. Like, a good balance with the comedy, but still, like, even the comedy didn't take away from the goriness, in my opinion. Yeah, and especially there's that shoot when it comes, all the blood is coming out. I was like, this is awesome. It's like, this is, like...
3: Out of the wall?
4: The wall, and that, like, it looked like um, a Chuck E. Cheese slide. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I loved it. I was like, oh, this is awesome.
0: All those guts and parts just waiting to be unfurled behind that wall.
4: Yeah.
1: So I'd love to know your guys' favorite kills. Okay. So it's obviously the buzz kill, which is anything but a buzz kill. (laughs) And the reason why, one, it's a great way to start, right? The suddenness of the slice, the sliding off of the head, the blood spurting out.
0: The little fountain.
1: uh, Or as Paris would say, squirting out. (laughs) I think what really sold it for me was how good it looked on top of hearing Tom Savini talk about the mechanics of it. So they had the a- real actor's head in his face. They added a prosthetic to it, and then they had a balloon expanding so that you could see the the uh, the actual flesh sliding off, um, which would then have the blood spurting out of it. Tom Savini is just a fucking mastermind. Absolutely love that man.
0: That was also my favorite kill because, like, first of all, could those guys have been more douchey?
1: Oh, just I like, hate that They
4: were just defacing everything. Like, Yeah,
0: literally just like driving through the countryside, shooting guns into the abyss. I was like, who are the violent hillbillies here? Really?
3: Very Texas, though. <laughs> Ho- holding up phone lines. God forbid. Man, I'm so thankful to be a part of this decade because don't be holding up my phone line just sitting on the phone like I can't hang up and end
2: this call. Are you kidding me? Yeah, they were hostages. <laughs> like what? I think Buzz's kill was it was kind of hard because after that, that's what I was expecting with every kill was like, you know, heads and like cutting in half and like falling to the side. And I don't I don't think you necessarily got that for the other kills in the movie. So I mean that, I think it's perfectly acceptable that multiple of us, you know, we all agree. Because I mean Buzz Lightyear's over here taking a little too much off the top and and that was very enjoyable.
3: <laughs> My favorite kill is Leatherface. Obviously because he has an entire chainsaw through his stomach which is (laughs) the chainsaw through his stomach was not the same length as the chainsaw that was outside of his stomach but you know life is life we gotta let things happen there are effects it was very cool i don't know how this happened but they definitely made it look like it was still running while it was inside of him and you could see it from the back and it was disgusting I'm once again going to be here if you didn't listen to the Rewind episode on Patreon. I'm here to tell you that plunge cutting with a chainsaw into anything is not safe. Don't do it. However, if it's Leatherface, you can stick that chainsaw into him. That was my favorite kill. And (laughs) I, I mean, obviously, he got a hammer thrown at his head, which was buffoonery like the rest of this movie. But the chainsaw part was my favorite
1: that was hilarious i thought of you when uh chop top gets the chainsaw because i was like man he's going on just the way franklin did with just the tip yeah (laughs) the tip is very dangerous everyone here please don't use the tip of your chainsaw to kill
3: anybody or
1: attack anything and this has been power tools with ryan (laughs) (laughs) literally
4: my favorite was buzz um for the fact that like honestly super douchey guys um but i like the setup of this and You know, it's cool hearing um, Chris's comments on the mechanics of it all because literally it looked very 80s. It was just like spurting out of the head, like so crazy. Like to me, not realistic, but not fake enough where you'd be like, wow, this movie is trash. Um, But I loved it. It's that practical effects
3: like charm, you know? It is. You know what it is when you
4: see it. Yeah, definitely. So since I couldn't make that because well one of my favorites, but everyone else had one so I'm like, oh, let me go with my second also my second was a uh, leatherface <laughs> so
3: everyone has great minds here <laughs> to be fair most of the rest of the kills are just blown up by grenade you know we don't get a ton on screen we get some violence but we don't get a lot of kills
4: yeah interesting enough um and I, I like how ironic it is that he was killed by a chainsaw when he is leatherface. Yeah. Yeah. So actually all the Sawyers obviously ended up um, being chainsawed to death. You know, Leatherface and Chop Top are impaled through the guts. You know, you have the cook stab and hack through the back, you know, and as a result of one of their latest victims and a relative of their victims from the first film. So pretty interesting to see that connection as well. So I know a lot, um, on our Rewind episode, we talked about the issues behind um, the ratings. So clearly this one also, when originally was submitted to the MPAA, it actually received an X certificate. Um, So obviously the filmmakers had to go back and release this as an unrated. So clearly we all see this coming full circle, right?
3: Yeah. This is the time where anything with any amount of edginess, they were like, oh, X rating. And they're like, okay, dude, it's just like a little bit of blood. It's okay.
0: But think of the children.
2: Like,
3: this is certainly not X-rated. It's just flesh being ripped from someone's body. It's just defaced a man. No big deal.
2: This is pretty much an an R rating, like, in 2021. Uh, I I feel like we see much worse these days. That gets rated R.
4: I just don't understand unrated version. They're like, oh, it's the unrated version of like Saw or something. I'm like, okay, but Saw rated R versus Saw unrated? Same, same. All (laughs) I know
3: is I always thought we were going to see titties and like, you know, those like unrated cut of like, I don't know, stupid teen, I don't know, American pie or something like, they're going to have boobs. Actually,
0: I feel the same, Ryan.
2: Unrated does imply some level of boob.
3: It implies boob
2: because I think it's the amount of boob that you put on screen that makes it unrated nipple, right? <laughs> like, well, you can show the full boob and and you're still rated R, but like a certain amount of screen time or closeness of boobs, I think, puts pushes it like past an R rating, maybe. Interesting.
4: It's always the boob proximity. It's one minute or less. No,
2: <laughs> I'd love
4: to know the time frame though.
2: <laughs> and I'm curious what like really pushed this into an X rating back then as well because. Like, we get a lot of other gory movies like this that are still are in the 80s. So, it's like, well. you know, what's specific? Like, somebody watched this and something, like, turned their stomach.
1: So, one of the things that I enjoyed watching was a featurette by Rumorg TV where Tom Savini and the stuntman who does the majority of playing uh Leatherface in this movie, they, like, just talk about what the experience was like making this. And there is so much that was filmed and just not used in the movie, like, Toby Hooper had his stuff going on, they brought in someone else to try to expedite things, they film a ton of stuff, it never it never sees the light of day. So there's probably a lot more gore in that, I would imagine. And for my
4: last magic trick, my gore facts that I love sharing with everyone. So back to talking about Buzz and Rick in the car. So there's that scene, you know, where Leatherface is on top of the uh, truck. And I I don't know about you guys, but when I looked at that, I wasn't sure what I was looking at because I know you had the chainsaw, but I didn't see Leatherface, but there was a body in front? Yeah, I don't know. Was that hard for you guys to
0: like... It was like some puppetry going on.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But like by Leatherface.
4: Yeah, so um, essentially, I'm not sure if you guys know, but that was actually the Hitchhiker from the 1974 version. Really? Yes.
0: That puppet corpse?
4: Yes, which I thought was really awesome.
3: Very interesting, very obscure detail to throw in there as if we were ever going to be able to tell it was the hitchhiker. Well, he was also on the original cover art,
4: so you couldn't have missed him that much. Hmm. <laughs> so interesting. I like the tie
1: between the two. Yeah.
2: The Sawyers keep it all in the family, man. And they don't waste, you know?
1: Waste not, want not. You know, speaking of waste not, want not, what, some of the stuff that we get, you know, and Paris, you mentioned that earlier, just the Amount of set design that went into like that whole third act, right? So they filmed this in an amusement park. You're kicking in hollow pieces of wall, and you have innards coming out. It looked like they were being very productive and responsible with uh, you know the people they killed.
0: Truly, nothing was wasted. the The bone throne, I think we can say, got an upgrade.
1: Oh yeah,
0: it was really a full bone.
1: It's a bone castle,
3: really.
0: Yeah, a bone castle. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Bone Castle doesn't have the same ring to it, but it's there.
1: (laughs) Oh, I think actually the construction of that set and just all the work that went into lighting it, all the skeletons that we get around the hall were some of my favorite aspects of this movie, especially Franklin's skeleton with the batteries that somehow still have a little bit of juice in them.
0: Chris, literally... He was like, oh, Franklin. And I saw Franklin holding the flashlight. And I had the exact same thought that you already vocalized in the first episode, which was Franklin's demise being the perk in freaking Dead by Daylight. And I was like, oh, no, wait, same Franklin, literally in the wheelchair. I'm up to speed now.
1: But there was a second wheelchair
3: body, too. Okay, I literally just now made the connection and understood what that was referencing and who that was. And I'm uh, not any more excited about it now that I understand who that was. (laughs) (laughs) I literally just had a huge aha moment in this second tier on the podcast. So that's fun. I also didn't care at all that he found that that person, that Skellington.
0: Oh yeah. I felt next to nothing.
3: I love the continuity of a story. Um,
4: my favorite visual element was, you know, the looks of these like blues and purples and pinks um in this movie, especially um when you see Chop Top in the basement when he first meets. Um Stretch and there's this like connection between them, not connection, but like there's this conversation between them that they're having. And just the look of how everything is in that room, I I don't know, it's just pretty cool. And I think because it reminds me of, sorry, Chris, House of a Thousand Corpses. I like how Rob Zombie took that, and I just like how other movies have taken that as well. And I just love the lighting in that scene and how it essentially carries out into that third act as well.
1: Well, just like House of a Thousand Corpses, both of these mov- those movies had uh, a structure that was just a couple beams away from falling totally apart. <laughs> Boy,
3: isn't that true. And my favorite visual element is actually quite similar. And it's that scene where we get introduced to Chop Top. And I know that everyone here almost has said that they hated Chop Top. But for me, Chop Top was like, the whole point of what they were trying to do here. Like he was the humor. He was the campiness that I felt like was successful. Yeah, to me, he was a main antagonist. Yeah, Yeah. he was like what we needed here. And he's a very, very interesting character when he walks into that room. And he's like, you know, just going on his little like what seems like you know kind of a normal fan rampage type of thing, and then the like the the brain, the head, the chop top of it all is really the visual element that gets me when he has the wig removed, and then you realize he's been like picking at his flesh, and <laughs> With eating the little it. Coat hanger. Oh my god! It literally it turns my stomach, but it is so effective. Like such a small element, nothing gory about it, right? It's just the idea. Oh. Absolutely disgusting. But I love his little shiny head, especially when it gets dented.
2: Maybe it's an anxiety thing instead of chewing out his fingernails. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure.
4: Yeah. I have an ex where they uh picked so bad that they had to go get tissue paper and there was like bloody tissue paper all over the place. It's fucking gross. Ew. Yeah. And I literally bought band aids because I would look over and I'd just be like, stop. You know, and I bite my nails, but God, I don't pick on them like at all. Yeah. Imagine, Ugh. imagine they were picking their skull and eating it.
3: Ugh. Yeah. That's why I love Chop Top because he's gross.
0: Ryan, I'm super shocked that you love Chop Top. I thought for sure it would be in alignment on that. Um, everything about that character, visually and audibly offended me
3: i mean i'm not saying he wasn't offensive just as quickly as they're in sync they're now out of sync <laughs> yeah he was he was gross but my thing is the movie was trying to be exactly what Chopped top was you know yeah he was the most successful thing i just hated what they were trying to do
0: he did the thing they were trying to do the most
3: exactly
0: that makes sense i'm here to say the thing that i know we're all thinking but maybe are afraid to say and it's that the best visual element in this movie is Stretch's full denim bedazzled outfit that she wears from beginning to
2: end. And you see evolve as her character progresses. <laughs>
3: also, that butt,
1: you know?
2: Yeah. I was going to say her, her denim shorts were my favorite visual element. And she stole <laughs> that from me.
1: What a reach.
2: (laughs) The full look was stunning. (laughs) Even down to the
0: ugly little denim booties and her little bob. It all just made so much sense to me. I feel like she was a really well-styled, perfect girl. And she was fully equipped for everything she went through.
3: She was literally like, I, you know, I was thinking back to like the, that 70s show episode where Donna becomes like a radio host. Well, the series of episodes, I guess. And I was like, you know, Donna really wasn't the vibe. Stretch is the vibe for a radio show host. You know, back when it was like the cool thing to do, not like she has a face for radio, but she's just like hot chick on the radio, doesn't care, talks trash, good to, you know, she can handle it herself. Mm -hmm. So good.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan of her. And I think her range Paris I know you see the range in the in the outfit but I think her range like she has great chops like when she's serious I believe it when she's you know being comedic and having this like lover's quarrel with Leatherface I think it's hilarious she sells everything she does in this movie and she actually is a huge part of my favorite scene which is LG's death not his skinning alive, nothing like that. But the fact that he wakes up and he's like, don't be scared, darling. Uh, he looks gross, prime Tom Savini here. <laughs> and then he says he guesses that he's falling apart on her. And then his dying words are, oh, shit. <laughs> that was the peak comedy of this movie for me. And then for her to just like respectfully put his skin back on his face and then put the little hat <laughs> back on his chest and just kind of pet him as he died it was just I, for some reason like every ounce of her performance in this completely won me over i
3: hated that i hated every single second
1: of that little like
4: memorial scene Ugh. i liked when it i thought he was going to stab her at one point because he was making a movement with the knife and i was like oh no and then he didn't he was just trying it's hard to move his arm down
3: <laughs> yeah like person who has had part of their you know, body removed, their face removed, you know, they've been half-skinned, maybe don't let them hold a knife. It's probably not a good idea. They don't really have a good They're basically, their sack of bones has some holes in it. (laughs) It's not a good plan.
0: I am here to say my favorite scene, and I am also prepared to be fully alone in this, but it is the uh, crotch shot ice bucket chainsaw fuck scene that really... (laughs) stood out for me as being something that was iconic. I'm sorry. One, it was the first time I realized like, oh, this movie's definitely going for comedy. Um, but two, it was also the way that stretch kind of was fully in a corner. And pulled the Hail Mary that I know for a fact that I would pull in that situation, which is, can I sex my way out of this?
4: I would totally do the same thing, too.
0: (laughs) I really didn't think they would go as far as they did. And every time they upped the ante, like, with the chainsaw and then just, like, fully the chainsaw on the crotch of the denim shorts, I was like, this is actual camp. And now I understand what it is that they're trying to do here. Um, And she... It worked. It worked for her, and it worked for me. So that was actually my favorite scene. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely
3: the most thanks-I-hate-it scene I've ever seen in my entire life. And I text Chris and said, really wasn't expecting implied sexual chainsaw scene to happen here.
0: Neither was I. And I also wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did.
3: Mm, mm, mm. I'm really a
4: big fan of how they recreated the table scene again um, in this movie. Um Just this one's a little bit grosser, more conversation-wise. I know you do have Chop Top, so that adds to me. I think he just said one to two times the one-liner he said, like, kept going, and kept going and kept going. I'm like, okay, cool. We've got it. But I like that um comparison between the
3: two of the movies. Yeah, I definitely feel like the dinner scene in this, although we got so much more screaming again, it was much more, like, exciting. I don't know. It It's, like, such an interesting setting and it wasn't just like some old dude in a gross room
1: you know Mm -hmm. it was also screaming but it felt like less screaming because it was less of just marilyn burns like freaking the fuck out and getting her actual finger cut open and everybody being miserable being all sweaty in that room together but i think the other thing that helps break it up is drayton sawyer and his little one liners some of the shit he says i never want to hear again but some of his quotes are actually hilarious like I wouldn't wish this life on a one-eyed ferret with Mange. And it just seems so like almost charming that uh it broke it broke up that scene for me and made me enjoy it. So it's funny you say that because my favorite scene is actually
3: split into two, and it is the cook and his little monologues about how the small businessman always gets the short end of the stick. <laughs> and he <laughs> has two separate moments, so I have to kind of break the rules here and pick both of them. But the first one and the second one, individually, both really, really good. And it's just hilarious that he's just like, go, starts going off about taxes. And I'm like, bruh, nothing happening here has anything to do with taxes. You've never paid a tax. The people you kill pay taxes. Like, what are the taxes that you're stressed about, sir? Speaking as a person who hasn't yet done their taxes, Same. you have no room to speak, okay?
0: As of recording, it is mid-April.
1: <laughs> There's an extension. Thank you. Just saying. <laughs> No, I, I 100% agreed with that. I thought those, che- those little monologues and rants were so charming. I'm like, you know what, dude? You're actually not wrong because the, the rich and wealthy aren't paying their taxes.
3: You're correct. It, the motivation for the conversation completely off the rails. The conversation topic, absolutely correct. Yeah. It always, it small man gets the shaft always.
1: Yeah, and then he gets the chainsaw to the butt and then says, small businessman always, always, always gets it in the ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they get them hems fixed for free. <laughs> Save a trip to the hospital.
2: I'm also going to pick a scene with uh, the cook in it, which was the chili cook-off. And it's such a random scene to have as a favorite. But I feel like it was kind of funny as a viewer to know who this person is. you know. And so you're you're watching this going like, oh, my God, everyone in there – just ate that chili and they were like oh this is the best chili we've ever eaten give this man a prize we don't know what you're doing but that's the best chili literally here's an award (laughs) for that human meat inside of our chili Ew. and so like that was a part of the dark humor that i actually appreciated okay but that also brings me back to the other episode with the people under the stairs
0: where we decided if you only eat meat that's from a human occasionally does that make you a cannibal Are the judges of that chili competition cannibals now?
1: Yeah, they're just not knowledgeable of it. Yeah, without their knowing. Non-consenting cannibalism, yeah.
3: (laughs) It's like if you're vegetarian and you eat fish without knowing it, you're actually pescatarian. Uh, I don't know how that would ever happen, but I'm just saying.
2: You don't even have to eat the meat. I think if you pull a Hannibal and you feed Ray Liotta his own brain, then you too are a cannibal. Even if you're not eating it. You're still participating in it. The chef of the human meats is also a
0: cannibal? Yes. No, you're going too far.
1: You have to prepare the the meat.
0: I don't know, because a lot of uh, chefs, specifically on Chopped, which is the only reference point I have, yeah.
1: are
2: vegetarians but cook meat. <laughs>
1: That's just because they're good at it.
2: Right. They're enabling meat eaters, though. So are they truly vegetarian or vegan? I don't know. Mm -hmm.
1: These are the morality questions that I'm sure we'll get responses for from our (laughs) listeners, and I look forward to it. (laughs) You raise a great point about that chili cook-off scene, Mac, and I think that's what actually makes his evolution as a character so much better. The second time around because he leans so far into the comedy, whereas his comedy felt very accidental in the original. Like in the original, we have him with a broom beating Sally, right? And it's just like, it's silly. It's out of place. (laughs) Wasn't a fan of it. But if I saw him beating someone with a broom in this one, I'd probably laugh at it a little bit. Which, you know, I I think the characters that we get in this, because Toby Hooper leans so far into that comedy, felt really good. Even though Chop Top is still absolutely disgusting to me. I said, I mentioned in the first half of the episode that I had a comment about stretch. And I was like, oh, stretch, a final girl who knows how to stay quiet when she sees gross shit happening a couple feet away. And I was like, oh man, like she's not, you know, uh, hyperventilating. She's not like whimpering or anything like that. And then, of course, she like kicks something and makes some loud noise for Leatherface to find her. And I was like, well, (laughs) this comment did not age well. Well, It's okay
2: (laughs) because he's her boyfriend. So she's safe.
1: I don't know. I like stretch, but at the same time, I was like
3: very annoyed by her. Like, Why'd you get in the car? Why'd you follow them? Why'd you run? Like there's just a series of events, and I don't know. I know it's it's the campy thing, but that's what annoyed me. I was I don't I, she clearly should have known that she was being used as a as bait. you know.
1: I don't think she actually knew that though. I mean, it, it, she was someone who wanted to do something meaningful and wanted to do the right thing. and she even said like, you know, as they were driving away from the radio station, she was like, oh no, they're gonna get away. And so yeah. if she wanted to, like, intervene. Yeah. Bad decision.
3: Don't intervene. But this also brings me to the point that Lefty is literally one of the worst characters I've ever watched in a movie. He he's was so odd. annoying. Yeah, Ugh. he's so odd.
0: Oh, my God. Thank you.
3: I hated him the most. He didn't have any good... I, sure, his, like, theoretical motivations were great, but the things that he did and what he was motivated by in those moments, like, using her as bait, his decisions to just randomly chop poles, which... From a physics standpoint, not really sure how we get to the end of where we are because he's just chopping down <laughs> random wooden poles. I his, don't know. His it was...
2: chainsaw usage bug the crap out of me.
3: Oh, and then th- th- the th- everything he did in the in the chainsaw store <laughs> so weird. Oh my aching banana.
0: Oh god, what a useless scene.
3: Where did he get the custom leather holsters for his dual-wielding chainsaws? It's Texas. <laughs> yeah, good point. It's Texas.
0: It's one thing to be useless, but it's another thing entirely to make things actively worse. Yes. And
3: that's the only thing he did. Absolutely. He was the worst thing.
1: Yeah. I think I, I lost all care for him when he became so desperate to find the chainsaw killers, asks, you know, for for some help, for some witnesses. The second someone comes up and he's like they're like I have a tape of the murders he's like i don't believe it i don't want nothing to do with this get out of here it's like what the fuck this this makes no sense
3: also what was his i i'm i can't figure out quite where he was staying it seemed like his apartment building and i realized this maybe wasn't his hometown whatever it was what was happening in the hallway like this whole concept of like the game being in town was just mm-hmm. pushed so far to the limits i was like what are, what are these
1: people just just roaming well apparently it's a huge rivalry with college football in Texas and Oklahoma yeah but like they can't avoid it Can he could have like stayed somewhere else he like stayed on a college dorm campus basically (laughs) well first off everybody in texas apparently cares about football second off look at this man you think he's gonna actually stay somewhere nice questionable decisions every step of the way
3: i don't know but i do have to say the interior of the place that he stayed was like this lovely mid-century coming into like 70s 80s it was Mm. glass everywhere everything was like shiny and black and that was a thing that preoccupied me the entire time he talked to Stretch in that room.
0: I thought the same thing. I absolutely hated Lefty so much. um, And I also hated Crop Top. (laughs) So really, the whole Funky Bunch didn't do it for me.
4: See, I love those characters. And I thought, you know, Stretch was like super spunky. And I mean, she wasn't like the final girl that you typically see like chris was saying like maybe trips maybe does this maybe does that you know she had an outfit for (laughs) everything she needed to be doing in this movie she was ready yeah she's ready didn't know she was gonna fall in love with a man with a leather face that day but she did she probably would have wore better underwear but it's fine (laughs) oh hello i i have the same thoughts that you guys do my real issue, which is also the worst part for me, was, is gonna be Leatherface. Mm-hmm. Because I like him as this gruesome, like, kind of like supernatural, raw character. And I realized that you get a different version of him in this movie because of the atmosphere that is being created. But like, it wasn't my favorite. And I was like listening to some documentary and, um, they talked about how it was like whatever character, Leatherface is, it's based on like the human that was, he's wearing in their skin. So, like, just depending, he takes on those characteristics. I, I don't think you know that until you've watched more of the movies. I didn't know that until I saw this documentary. So, to me, I was just like, what? Like, I don't need a horny leather
3: face in my life. Like, I just don't. Literally at all. I could not need anything less than I needed horny leather face. Like, it's so creepy. He loses all of his little, like, innocence and, like, his little, like, I'm just, uh, all these people just running to my house. I had to kill him, you know? He loses that from the original and just becomes... It's, it's like, like he's just, just a puppet. Cr- to yeah, me. it's just creepy.
4: He's this um coming of age puppet teenager yeah. who's like, oh wow, discovered his penis for the first time. Ugh. Yeah, I just <laughs> didn't like him like that. Like it just I, I I didn't like him gyrating. I mean, I did like the booty shakes, I have to admit, it was kind of my favorite with him. Um chainsaw over his head, just like shimming, which
1: I shimmy shake. That was classic Shake Your Bon Bomb by Ricky Martin. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> You're definitely not wrong.
2: You know what? I have that. I had that exact same thought about Leatherface, where like in the first one, the the moment where he slides the door closed and it slams it shut, like that's so like intimidating. It's ominous. It's amazing. But in this one, he just feels like he slips on banana peels.
0: Very much that humor,
2: and it was just so goofy and. I didn't like it. It just it wasn't it wasn't for me. So that's not the worst part of the movie, though. I think we all can agree it's Chop Top.
3: Um, I disagree and also have bad news. You have to pick a best part, Mac. You can not get out of this. I
2: do. I'm 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 getting there. I did have to mention how much I hate Chop Top though, because I found that he was a completely useless character and he was played just in a way that it's like trying too hard. And that annoyed the crap out of me. It was like no one's really having fun. They're just like l- trying to look like they are like he's like hop literally hopping and like just moving erratically. And it was ridiculous. But that brings me to the best part of the movie. And that's the cook. Yeah. Like like hands down, probably the only character that's like, you know, aside from when everything's going badly, who's actually in- enjoying his role as a as a cannibal cook. Mm. Nobody else is having fun. He's throwing out zingers like left and right at people. And it's he's actually kind of funny to watch. Whereas I feel like nobody else is really kind of funny; they're just kind of either buffoons or being absolutely ridiculous.
3: Yeah, the cook has that that old man wisdom <laughs> energy. You know right. what I mean?
4: Yeah, he's got he's
2: got gross uncle jokes, and you have yeah. to appreciate that.
4: Yeah. yeah, he's that uncle. You're like, but mom, do I have to go to it? Because I don't want. Um.
3: He, he's that uncle. It's totally cool when it's not your uncle. And then when he's your uncle, you're like, mm, got to cut you off, bro. Can't, can't be a part of this anymore.
1: <laughs> you raise some some good points. Some of the humor we get from him, Mac, is by far some of the best we get in the movie. However, worst part for me is in addition to Chop Top, who I've already expressed my distaste for. It's actually some of the cook's jokes. I'm not a fan of the racism, not a fan of the homophobia you can leave it at the door. I think without those things, entirely purely fun loving character and I'm a fan, but with that it's just one that like disappointed me every time he said it.
3: I think I'm going to have to take a cop out here for the best part of this movie, and it's the ending. It's only because I appreciated the dancing with the chainsaw at the end in the in the golden hour. Oh, that
0: was great.
3: Just a little bit more than the first time. The first time I was like, <laughs> what are we doing? This is stupid. I understand you're doing this intentionally, but this is ridiculous. The second time I was
1: like, oh, I mean, at, at least she's hot. <laughs> yeah, and there it is. That's what I was going to say. It's cause the pretty girls doing it, Ryan. And you know what? Your true colors are starting to show a little more every week.
3: <laughs> Listen, chick carrying around a chainsaw way better than a chunky boy from the first one, just dancing in his little <laughs> teenage music video.
2: You know what would have, would have taken that up a notch though? As if Leatherface danced in this one earlier in the film and made her watch. And at the end, you know, after she's victorious, she then does the dance.
1: Like a mating dance? I mean, he kind of does that earlier in the movie when he busts like the Kool-Aid <laughs> Man. Yeah, he's
4: definitely done it, it earlier. Oh, but if she watched, is all you're saying? Right, right. That, oh, that, okay, would have gotcha. did, like,
2: that linkage would have like really... Like, I would have laughed so hard at the end had that happened.
0: I, as somebody who hacked this movie, am now tasked with saying my favorite part about it. And actually have a couple things to choose from so i'll just go through the main best part of this for me was the way stretch delivered all of her comedic beats it felt like she was the straight man and everybody else was playing like the -the over-the-top like hooligan um specifically i wrote down several of her lines one of them was are you fucking crazy we are closed (laughs) the way she delivered that to an absolute maniac entering her space Really sold me.
3: As if the station being opened or closed had any impact on what he was doing.
0: Exactly. Good night. She really sold it so hard. And then, of course, put that down. Is it wet? It's wet. (laughs) To the skin face being placed on her. And then for me, the one that really got me the most was when she's chased to the end of that tunnel. Which became a cave when Lefty absolutely destroyed any hope of escape. And she said, she just like turned around and looked at Leatherface and said, okay, okay, let's talk about it. (laughs) And the fact that it worked.
3: (laughs) Also, she goes, are you mad at me? And I just went, oh my God, this is every person. Like, you know, those people that you know that have done nothing and they're just like walk up to you and they're just like, are you mad mad at me? me? Yeah, Yeah. me. (laughs) Yeah, my roommate. I'm like, no, I'm eating eating breakfast. I'm not mad at you. Why are you saying that? That's exactly (laughs) what I thought of.
0: It was just the way she kept talking. Talking to him that really in some way made me happy. Um, but I have two small runner ups. One of them, Chop Top, had a button on his outfit that said, put on a happy face. And I thought that was a really cute and clever touch, considering all of the leather faces that are put on during this movie. Very cute. And then second runner-up goes to how many times the term hog bitch was thrown around. (laughs) I've been saying that all day today, just calling anybody and everybody a hog bitch, because that combination of words is absolutely hilarious.
4: So I had a conversation on Instagram over the first movie. And this one, and he was saying, he's like, oh, these are like epitome, like of my favorite. Like, I love these, especially because I think it's so grounded in like other movies, and it's such a classic. No matter like which side you see it from, which I totally get, but it kind of inspired me to like go out. I'm like, Oh, maybe I should like see why other people actually think this is a good movie. Like, cause I just don't understand. So like I went and watched that documentary and I was like, Oh, this is kind of cool. This is really interesting. Like I can see this. So I think, I might rewatch these just to see the progression on some of this and how there's different interpretations of Leatherface that I am quite
3: frankly like down to watch. I'm, I wouldn't be like mad if I rewatched this, but this is the, this movie makes me feel bad for saying any other movie had a lot of buffoonery going on. Cause that word is now specifically designated for The Chainsaw Massacre 2. It's just buffoonery. So I would have to be like half drunk to rewatch it or anything like that.
0: Same. I will not be going out of my way to rewatch this. But if I am half drunk and it is playing in the background, I will not
2: oppose the buffoonery. So the the first movie I watched with my fiance. And this movie I watched at 7 a.m. before you know she woke up so that she didn't have to watch it. And I would make that choice again if I was forced to watch it. I would make sure nobody else had to watch it with me, but I'm not going (laughs) out of my way in any way, shape, or form to watch this again. And actually, the one time I might is if it was a remake done by Wes Anderson.
4: Okay. The fuck?
2: Exactly. No. Exactly. If that happened, I'm down. But other than that, not gonna, not gonna happen.
1: All right. So look, I I don't see myself watching this again on its own only because of how gross Chop Top is and how much I don't need him in my life. I would revisit it in a marathon though, which I guess like the more I consider that doesn't even really sound appealing. But here's when I actually might watch this again. A couple years ago, we had Halloween 2018. It came out, right? 40 years after the original. And before watching that, I, even though the Halloween 2 from the 80s was wiped out of canon, I watched Halloween 1, then watched Halloween 2, then I went to go to the theater to see that one. And there's actually a new sequel coming out later this year to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre that's going to bring Sally back as a main character. Not the original actress. She passed away a few years ago. But Sally will be back. And I think that's when I might watch this. I might, just to get the different vibe, I might watch the original, then this, and then go see that one.
2: Is it going to be attached just to the original movie and like completely? Yes. Oh, perfect. Because I've heard a little bit about the reboot. And Arlie Ermey was in it. And that I'm down for, but everything else I'm not down for.
1: Yeah, This franchise is played with peaks and valleys, more valleys than peaks, which is fine. I mean, it is what it is, right? I think some of the best horror franchises out there definitely go through some awkward, you know, growing pains in the ugly duckling years. But all that aside, let's see what Mac has in store for us in Fact or Fiction.
2: Yeah, let's see if I can peek some valleys for you. Number one, the late Dennis Hopper, who played Lefty said that his chainsaw scenes in this film, which I consider pretty ridiculous, were some of the most fun he'd ever had while filming.
3: Is it fun? He was by himself the whole time. Fiction.
2: I'm going to say fact because they spent way too
0: much time filming him barely cutting into that log, so he was probably enjoying himself.
3: I'm going to
4: say
1: fact.
2: Thank goodness. This is fiction. He said this is the worst film he's ever been in. Although he also said that about Super Mario Bros. So
1: Well, he was the worst character in this movie, so yeah. really, the joke's on him. <laughs> Maybe it's
2: him. But also, does it say something that there's
0: at least one actor from every Texas Chainsaw Massacre so far that has said this is the worst movie they've ever done?
3: It definitely says <laughs> something.
2: Well, he's an amazing actor, and I was kind of bummed to see his role in this film. But, uh, oh, well, let's talk about bummed with Chop Top. Chop Top's sweet chrome headpiece was originally scripted to be part of the hitchhiker's new wardrobe in response to the fact that, you know, his head got crushed in the end of the 74 film. But instead, the -the over-the-top Vietnam vet... Uh, Choppy McTopperson replaced the Hitchhiker as his own twin brother. I want to say fact because I absolutely thought
0: that was the same character and I thought the metal plate was because of what happened in the first one.
3: I'm going to go with the same thing. That is exactly what I thought. Yes, fact.
2: Yeah, this is a fact. This is what the original plan was, but eventually it, it turned out, you know what, we're going to compl- you know make another character and then work that in there. And also, in fact, Edwin Neal, who played the Hitchhiker, is an actual Vietnam vet, unlike this horrible character Chopped Up. Number three, the film was a relative bomb at the box office. And it most likely has Jeff Goldblum to thank for that.
3: I don't know what that would do. I don't know who that is and what that would impact. Gonna say fact.
2: You don't know who Jeff Goldblum is?
3: Why would I know who that yeah, is? From, You're, from Jurassic uh, Park.
2: Yeah. I feel like you'd love Jeff
0: Goldblum if you know who he is, Ryan.
3: Once again. Independence Day. Nope. You can keep saying words. A <laughs> Fact. I don't know.
0: I'm gonna say... Fiction. I feel like Jeff Goldblum is the reason that this movie was somehow a success at the box office. I have no idea.
4: Um, I'm going to say fiction.
2: Well, um, it's, you know, a fact. So Jeff Goldblum was in a little horror movie called The Fly, which happened to release about a week before this one and was a massive success. And I know you haven't seen The Fly, Ryan, but it's amazing. And... You know, it's, sometimes you, you put a movie out and another movie came out at just the wrong time and destroys your uh, your box office revenue.
3: Movies are very unfortunate in that way. I've heard a lot of things about how hard it is to release a movie because there's only actually a few weeks in the year that'll have a good impact.
2: Number four. Apparently happy with this masterpiece, Toby Hooper owns the eponymous chainsaw from this film and has it displayed in a glass case.
4: Sounds like something he'd do. So I'm going to give this a
3: fact
0: fact it would make sense that he would keep a prop from this movie because why the fuck
3: not yeah i agree this seems like you know he was real committed to the chainsaw thing at this point when the first one was like low budget misery this one he went hard for so fact
2: Yep, this is a fact you know i wonder if he keeps a glass box of poltergeists handy too get out of here (laughs) nobody anybody go to bed yeah because of the movie poltergeist get it ryan Anyway, number five. Uh, it's no accident that the movie is pretty close to Alexis's preferred run time of around 90 minutes. After Hooper made extensive cuts of the film, there was not enough film left to hit his own preferred uh, 110, 120 uh, minute time.
3: I don't know.
4: Because... I'm doing hacker math right now. Hold yeah, on. The first
3: one was shorter.
0: Anytime there's math, I'm saying fiction. Because remember,
3: in the Rewind episode, we spent so much time saying it was a tight 120.
0: A tight 120.
3: Hmm, I'm going to go fiction, but I have no idea. I'm pretty sure that's fiction. Because it's
4: longer than that.
2: The the movie is less than 120 minutes.
4: Oh, well, I guess on the
3: thing, it said 150. No, no, no. I think we're confusing 100 and
4: something <laughs>
2: minutes
3: with one hour and so and oh, so okay. minutes. okay.
2: So an hour is 60. So it's it's right around the 100 minutes.
3: <laughs> it's an hour
2: and 40 Also, mine minutes.
3: had commercials. So that might be why. Yes.
4: Yeah,
2: it made it 12 hours long. Wait, it's on Shutter. Yeah, we messed up. Well, okay. So this one is a fiction. So the reason it's so short, if you will, is because Canon wanted it between 90 to 100 minutes so that they could get more showings in a day and make more of that sweet, sweet money.
1: Ah, uh, Gotta love a corporation.
2: Clever. And that's Factor Fiction.
1: Well, there you have it, folks. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 has earned two slashes and three hacks. We've had a lot to talk about here. Seems like uh, if the original wasn't for you, then this one might be. Or if you're Mac and hate both, maybe. We've had a lot to talk about here, but we still want to know what you think. Which side of the fence you stand on. Keep in mind, there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com, or on our social media accounts on Facebook,
4: Instagram, and Twitter.
3: And if you're really serious about keeping your chainsaw use safe, you can reach out to our Hacker Slash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message.
2: Or if you're a fan of the band Fine Young Cannibals, whose poster was featured in this film, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, consider becoming one of our patrons like
0: our new best friend, Kurt. You can visit patreon.com slash hackerslash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month.
1: See you next time, folks. And remember, try to speak plain saves time. Bye.